Hey everyone, before we get started today, I just wanted to throw out a quick trigger warning. Today we will be discussing a lot about dead bodies and what happens to us after we die. It does get a little graphic, so I just wanted to let everyone know if that isn't for you. We'll see you next episode. No hard feelings, and we will scare you soon. Thanks. Bye. Hi, I'm Cassie. And I'm Emily, and this is Full Scream Ahead, your spooky road trip bucket list. have the microphone standing up today so I can use the pop filter. I'm hoping it'll take out some of my wheezing. I feel like 90% of the editing work I do is just cutting out the wheezing. Are you getting a lot of it from me? No, it's like oh, mostly from me because I can't breathe through my nose and then I talk and then I forget I can't breathe and I'm just like <gasps> and then you're like <gasps> yeah that's why I have to keep stopping to catch my breath. <laughs> I mean it's understandable like you're going over a lot of stuff. Yeah. How is it? So your earliest call was 3.30 last night? Yeah, two days in a row I got 3.30 calls. For call just locking fantastic. their passwords out? Yep, yep. It's been all stupid shit like that. Why is someone working at 3.30 a.m.? Um, I think they were both East Coast, so technically it was like 6.30 their time, so I guess I can't really blame them, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. When I worked at the travel agency that was global, I would work... Um, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. And sometimes we would get like locked out of our account coming back from lunch or something. And I always felt really bad because the IT guy that was on call was in London. Oh, no. It was like 5.30 for me. It's 3 a.m. for him. Oh, no. It's, yeah, like for me, it's like not even dinner time yet. For him, it's middle of the night. Uh, yeah, luckily, um, the way we have it split up, I don't have to do this again until April. Nice. Well, at least it's not regular. Yeah. I hate calling IT. We had to call today because every single card reader in the store did not work. Your new ones? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Um, but it's not a card reader's fault. The card readers are, themselves are fine. It's our program is so ancient huh. that it just it just crashes sometimes. Like, it will choose which computer it wants to work on that day. And today it decided none of them. That was super fun. And it was in the middle of our morning rush where we have customers who are waiting because most of our customers drop their um, vehicles off. But in the morning is our rush. We have like oil changes and stuff. None of them could pay because none of them had cash. (laughs) Free car service for all. I mean, at that point, like there's not much else we can do. Wow. Okay, let me help your little. Oh, yeah. How to to make a podcast thing. (laughs) And we're not used to it yet, so. Yeah, we're we're still noobs. I feel like we're improving every episode, though. We're getting a little so. better. I think so. That's just the goal. I feel like I am not gonna lie. I was real nervous on. I was doing all my research on Monday after work because I was kind of sick this weekend. I was doing all my research Monday after work, and I was like, "Do I have enough?" Emily's are all really well researched. What if she has questions? Can I answer her questions? Like, I think that's um, why I have like a really long pause anytime you ask me a question because I'm just like. I should have anticipated this, but I didn't. And I'm just like, oh, these are questions like people will probably have. So I'm just like, let me reach into the depths of my brain and see if I can. Yeah. And see if it was something that came across in your readings. 
I was um, sitting there today because I got to work early today because I was going to work on something for school. And I was like, I'm just so tired. So I went watch a documentary in the lunchroom on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to be taking notes on this. Like, we're recording tonight. And I was like, wait, I'm not presenting tonight. So uh, <laughs> it really doesn't matter that I only have like three bullet points ready. Um, <laughs> you have some fine. time. <laughs> yeah, I have about three and a half pages on Google Docs. Okay. I think we did okay. Awesome. I don't know how many like real pages my notes are because I always like double space them and put them in big font so it's easy to scroll and it comes out Got like it. 12. Okay, but if it's double spaced and in a big font, it's probably closer to like four or five. Probably. That makes me feel more confident in my, in my research. Uh, do you remember what hint I gave you last week for our episode this week? Yes, because I actually listened to all our episodes yesterday because I'm probably a little bit of a narcissist. But <laughs> now that I'm because I have to listen to for like six hours to edit and I was like, I'm so sick of it. I don't want to hear my voice anymore. And then yesterday I was fine. Like, OK, it's been a few days. Let me get a fresh perspective. Yeah. So from what I remember, uh, you said it's in Paris and mm -hmm. it's just something that's kind of out in the open, I guess, and life just kind of goes on around it, but you wouldn't know it's there. Mm -hmm. I know you told me the name of the place, but I don't really know anything about it. So I am excited to hear about it. I am going to be telling you about the Paris catacombs. Where the entrance to the catacombs is now is like just in the middle of like a busy shopping district. It kind of blew my mind. We got off the, the train. We went up to the surface level we were i think we took the subway there or something so we walk around until we get to the spot we're going to and i was looking around and i was like this feels like it should not be here like this is like a busy shopping district i do not feel like i'm standing on the bones of six million Paris parisians Paris wow, parisian that many yeah that many parisian that sounds right Parisian. No, that's wrong. That sounds like raisin. The Parisians. You okay. know them people. <laughs> Parisian. It's Parisian. Okay, that sounds right. It's like one of those things like you can pronounce it okay in your head, but once you say it out loud, it's like, wait a second. How does this work? Parisian. No? 116 pronunciations of Parisian in Britain English. What? That, that seems a little excessive. How to pronounce Parisian correctly. It's a YouTube video. Them Paris raisins. I don't know why I keep defaulting to that accent. Why are you Southern all the time? I don't know. Parisian. Parisian. This word doesn't mean anything to me anymore. New game. Take a hit whenever we say Parisian. Everyone get high on my behalf since I am on call this week and I am not allowed. <laughs> oh, I am also sober this week, but it's because I was nervous about presenting. Because when I'm high, I feel like I have a hard time focusing on things. That's part of the reason I ask so many questions when you host. It's not because it doesn't make sense. It's because I'm a little slow when I'm high. I wanted to do my first one sober, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Dip my toe in the water, see how it goes. I guess, like, I'm not high, but I guess I got that slap happiness because I've been woken up at 3.30 every day for the last two days, and it's just been such mentally exhausting days. Yeah, that so, sounds uh, bad. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm that kind of weird. Hopefully you don't wake up at 3 a.m. tomorrow also. No one's going to call tonight. That's what I'm manifesting. I believe in you. Putting it out in the universe. No <laughs> one is going to lock their count between the hours of 11 and 4. 
Listen, Mercury retrograde is over. We are not dealing with this anymore. I know okay. like, no one could see it because I don't turn my camera on, but I want everyone to feel the vibe that I just Z snapped at, at the universe. <laughs> how many how many snaps does the Z snap have? Like one, two, three, four. Do you snap at the start of the Z and then every like point? Yeah. Yeah. Like every see I always I always just did three. It's one for the top and then one when you get to the bottom and then one when you get to the end. So it's what is the proper way to Z snap? Oh my god. I'm a terrible nineties kid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is not important. <laughs> I do four because I'm an extra person. So the Paris catacombs have a lot of different like myth and like legends and various spooky things about them. But in my research, I didn't find like multiple sources for the same spooky stories. I just found a lot of different stories and a lot of different sources. So it, it kind of felt like people had like touched base with some similar plot lines, but then kind of had some creative freedom with it. Um, so in my research, I, and from, and also what I learned on the tour when I was there, I decided that I'm going to go over today the history of the catacombs because I think it's a little dark. I think it's a little spooky and I mean, catacombs are just tunnels of human bones. So like, I don't have to be extra spooky. It's just, it's just there already, you know? <laughs> the spook factor is already Yeah, it's already <laughs> It's like at least a six. <laughs> I would say an eight, but also what I discovered as bones just freaked me out in person. Yeah, I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So to go over the history of the Paris catacombs in any sort of meaningful way, we have to go a little bit further back. And we need to talk about the Holy Innocence Cemetery in Paris. Okay. Sorry, I just looked so, up a picture of the catacombs. And I think this is the first time I've actually seen it. And I'm just like... Uh, holy shit oh really yeah yeah it, like i hear about wild them, man i think i just like pictured you know um you know how in skyrim where they all just kind of lay in their holes in the walls i think that's what i was picturing uh this is I've, more intense i've never played skyrim but i i think i understand okay i know don't shut me <laughs> Okay, no worries. I'm aware, okay <laughs> i've been playing it since 2011 so i'm a little too into it at this point you're the you're one of the people who got me into Mass Effect, so you have that win at least. That's true. That's true. Mass Effect yeah. is my one true love. Anyone I yeah. can get into Mass Effect is a win. Yeah. So, um, mood. Any any listeners out there, if you haven't played Mass Effect, please play Mass Effect. Do it. Um, it's aged um, in the graphic <laughs> design section. We'll call it remnant of the past. Best video game story, and I will. It is the my top sci-fi franchise okay and i'm gonna piss a lot of people off about that but it is the top sci-fi franchise i that's this is the hill i will die on okay where were we um <laughs> how did i get talking about mass effect two episodes in a row that have nothing to do with this um listen anyway. all roads lead back to garris okay sorry i won't talk about mass effect anymore continue In order to understand um, the creation of the Paris catacombs, um, in order to uh, properly discuss the history of the catacombs, we need to go back a little bit further in time. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. And we need to look at and learn about the Holy Innocence Cemetery. 
Emily, have you heard of the Holy Innocence Cemetery? No, but that's a pretty ominous sounding name because nothing can go yeah. wrong with a name like that. <laughs> like, it's an ominous sounding up for like being haunted or something. Maybe yeah. say it's innocent. Nothing will happen. It's cool. Yeah, no, they were. That's that was the incorrect um, assumption on their part because it certainly is ominous, both in sight and in smell. Oh, smell. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into it. So, okay. the Holy Innocent Cemetery was a burial ground in Paris, and it dated as far back as the ninth century. Back then, it was called Champeau. In the twelfth century, so this is what. 300 years later, the cemetery had been so heavily used, they had to construct a wall around the cemetery so they could pack more dirt in so they could bury more bodies. Oh, wow. But yeah, they like made a corpse lasagna in the cemetery. <laughs> a corpse lasagna? <laughs> they made a corpse lasagna. <laughs> oh, no. After, after three centuries, as you would assume, it was, it was just full. In context, this cemetery is just in the middle of a square. The cemetery is re- pretty large, and it's surrounded by, like, markets and buildings and stuff like that. And it's just open air like most cemeteries are. Like, when you're driving through Vegas, sometimes you'll see, like, an iron gate in front of the cemetery. It, yeah. it was kind of like that. Um, but it, the cemetery had been so used, they ran out of room. But they still needed to bury bodies, so they erected a 10-foot wall. So they could layer more dirt on top of the existing ground. The ground level inside the cemetery was significantly higher than the ground level outside the cemetery. Damn, we just went from a lasagna to like a seven layer dip. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. (laughs) I was talking to Jacob the night I did all this research and I made the the corpse lasagna joke and he lost it. And I was like, I really want to know if Emily can make the art this episode. Just like some like lasagna <laughs> pasta noodles with What's scrolls like in between skull? them. Yeah. I, mean, I was just thinking about doing that. I was like, how inappropriate would that be? Dude, I, that was my, honestly, it's my goal. If you can make it happen, I was so happy. If anything, I will still make something to put on Instagram. Oh my God, it'd be so good. Like my, my hamburger picture today. Oh my god, because it was at lunch so cute. I didn't want to think about computers for like five minutes. And I was like, how many hamburgers would it be across Pyramid Lake? <laughs> and now this is a unit of measurement I can calculate. So the, the math uh, question everybody never needed. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Love it. How to measure an American. Anyway, back to the dip. Look at my chips ready. So they so they're creating a seven layer dip and they're doing it so they can have more burials they're doing like single person burials for like family members stuff like that but i over time as the demand increased for the cemetery they couldn't keep up with single person proper burials because it's france and france has had plagues many of them Um, So up until this time like they're still doing like traditional funerals or just keep building on top of that yeah so they were doing just like normal I don't know how much of like a ceremony or funeral they would have. Um, they would dig like the whatever six foot deep and person sized hole and they would bury the people. But when they ran out of room, they would just kind of pack in more feet of dirt and then do it again. So they weren't like exhuming any of the bodies at this point. They were just creating more room by adding more dirt. Okay. Eventually they ran out of space to continue to do that. They at one point tried to make the walls taller so that way they could add more dirt and it just wasn't sustainable because of the sheer amount of death that was happening at the time. God, it's and already so they... 10 feet tall. How tall <laughs> do they think they were going to make it? It's going to be like yeah. a tower. 
Yeah, it's just a tower of dirt and bones. They started doing pit instead of single graves. So they started doing mass graves inside the cemetery. And the mass graves could fit anywhere between 1,200 to 1,500 bodies each. Oh, wow. Those are big. They're huge. And the pits were not closed until they were full. So... Imagine you're like going to buy, I don't know, bread. They're they're in Paris. They're buying bread. Oh Um, my God. And you just go to your little baker friend. And then there's this open pit with a thousand bodies in it, but they're not buried yet because there's still room for 200 more. I'm just thinking not even like the horrible smell, but like, what about like animals and stuff? Like, yeah. Oh, there were be like birds mm -hmm. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Rats everywhere. Um, All bad. There was a story of a gentleman who one night fell into one of the pits. No. Whether he was inebriated or not, I do not know. And I think he was drinking the wine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He fell into one of the pits and they found him next morning dead. God, he probably couldn't breathe. It's possible. Yeah. Or maybe like animals got to him and he couldn't get out of the pit because it was too deep like it's just it was it was a crazy time um i can also imagine like heart attack was a possibility too oh yeah well because you have bodies in like various stages of decay in these pits like imagine if you got like knocked out and just woke up to that yeah because they're not covered because they're not closing the the grave sites until it's full like this is the same air that the nearby parisians are breathing in like this is the air that people are breathing when they're going about their days it's not healthy so (laughs) yeah that just fucking fell off of her cage oh (laughs) sucker dumbass so the, the cemetery dates back to the ninth century the 12th century is when they constructed the wall during the 14th and the 15th century they we're still having a space issue. So they made what are called charnel houses, which are basically buildings that exist to store human remains, but bones specifically. Okay. On the inside of the walls. What did they do with the they, rest of the body? Uh, well, they they tried to only get the part, the existing bodies that were boned at the time. Oh, okay, okay. They were yeah, they were they were aiming for the they were aiming for the bones. They were already <laughs> just bones. They weren't like, yeah. all right, gotta clean yeah, up. Yeah, but we'll we'll get there because they do do that later. Oh. Y- yeah. Okay. Um, so they're trying to make more space. They add these charnel houses um, to like the inside lining of the cemetery walls. So they're basically just building more rooms that they can exhume bodies and they, then they can stack all of these bodies in these buildings on the edges of the cemetery in order to free up more space in the actual cemetery to be used. <laughs> and these houses are like still connected to the cemetery, right? Are they like all the Yeah, so they're on the they're other? yeah, they're on the inside of the wall. So it's basically they're like making the wall thicker, essentially, because the Charnel houses go all the way around the inside of the wall. Oh, um, okay. From they're what I could see. Wall. Yeah, they're inside the wall. From from what I could tell with like the sketches and stuff that I had seen, because obviously there's a photograph of this time. Oh, yeah. So in my notes, I have... And they didn't have a camera in the 12th century. What a ripoff. Yeah, I know. Who do they think they were? In theory, the Charnel houses would make room for more bodies to be buried and allow the reuse of mass grave sites. So they just wanted to add more layers to the lasagna. Several plagues had hit Paris over the centuries, and the cemetery at one point held at least two million bodies. The stench was so bad that all of the merchants surrounding that were able to relocate did. People were fleeing this area because the stench was so bad. And like Paris was known for being stinky. 
with the stench and reek of death and decay and sickness and disease was so odorous and strong. People were fleeing the area as fast as they could if they were able to afford it. Um, so here's my question. Like, did they try to build it outside of town and the town just grew around it? Or did they, like, do you know if they, like, chose to put it in the middle? Like, that's, it kind of seems weird to me. They just build it in the middle of all this. Yeah. So I think at one point it was on the outside of the town, but Paris was growing. Okay. Um, and so eventually there were people around it. And, like, this wasn't in the center of Paris, the city. It's just, like, in the center of this specific, like, square. Okay. of Paris. It's like the center of this, like, it's just in the middle of the block, if you okay. will. I guess um, but it's not like middle of Paris, dead center. I think they ended up building around it after they had already erected the cemetery, but I, it could be wrong. That I'm not 100% sure on. Okay, yeah. I know it's a long time. There's probably a, not a yeah. lot of records about that. Yeah, and there's a lot of different like estimates and stories and stuff. I tried to only grab the information that was consistent throughout various sources, and I tried to make sure when I did find inconsistencies, I, I made sure to express this has been reported in different ways. Probably better research than I am. See, I put a lot, but I'm also like, this one guy just said in this book and I couldn't <laughs> verify it. <laughs> I was like, I had a like blog posts. I had a different articles. I had like websites from like Paris. I, I was actually, I also went to the media bias check website to see if the sources I was going to for news articles were reputable sources. Okay. That's, that's good. I, it, there's a media bias website. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? No, but I also don't. I try to avoid that stuff on the internet. But also, like, this afternoon, I went to the bathroom at work, and I came back to an argument about whether Biden was going to buy everyone crack pipes. So, like, I feel like there's certain stuff I need to run through there. What? Yeah. I. I... Well, can I request a different kind of pipe, or am I just assigned a crack pipe and that's it? I don't know. Like, I hope mine's pink, so... I would like a blue one. Yeah. But I would like a weed pipe. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Tangent. I was <laughs> so embarrassed at work one time because I was, you know, working away and I wasn't paying attention. And then I just hear one of my coworkers talking about, yeah, like, at one point, like, all pipes were made out of copper and this was the benefit. And I'm just sitting there like, what do you mean? Copper? All mine are made of glass. And he's like, glass no the pipes in your house aren't made of glass oh no I was like, <laughs> um this is a drug-free workplace and i need you to forget everything i just said i'm oh, so no <laughs> uh for those listening at home recreational marijuana is legal where we live so it don't call the cops on us um and to my personal fbi agent listening <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> I, I hope that we entertain our personal FBI agents a little bit. I think mine must have had a field day on, on Monday because I was Googling all sorts of things about weird things about like death and like bones and stuff. It was, it was a good time. So obviously there, at this point, there's around 2 million bodies in the cemetery, maybe more by our estimate. The cemetery was active for nearly a thousand years. It was the longest running cemetery at the time. It held several million bodies and the walls were being increasingly raised and they had these mass graves that they were trying to reuse to create more layers of dirt and cadaver and dirt and cadaver. And it will not surprise you to learn that was a bad idea. I hope they at least put like a gummy worm on top. On a mud pie. Tell me why that's what I was picturing as you're describing this. Like the pudding with like the crushed up Oreos. Oreos, yeah, and then, like, yep, and then you've got the gummy bear sticking out, except with their little bone fingers. Yeah. 
oh, we're bad people. <laughs> so there was a there was a specific incident that happened that kind of led to the cemetery closing. And there are various accounts of the type of place this incident happened. But in 1780, so we're in the 1800s now, and the cemetery dates back to the 9th century. So long time. In 1780, one of the walls surrounding the cemetery, it shared a wall with a building on the outside of the cemetery one of the shared walls collapsed after the wall collapsed there's various reports of like who found it or what exactly had happened but the story that i was told when i was on the tour there is that it was a man's private wine cellar and his daughter was complaining of a of a bad smell of like an odor and so he went down to check it out and so he opens the door to his wine cellar and he goes down into his basement and he sees hundreds of bodies just piled up that had burst into his wine cellar from the cemetery like he's going down to get a bottle of wine and he finds grandma like that's terrifying yeah can i just i can't even imagine how horrifying it would be like i'm just chilling just trying to have trying to have a little bit of my of my fun juice and bodies several hundred of them however many can fit in here they fit in here because there wasn't enough Uh, Part of the reason that the wall had collapsed over time is because there wasn't enough dirt added into the cemetery to make up for deteriorating human bodies. You know what I mean? Like, we have a lot of fat. We have a lot of goo. A lot of it comes out when you're decaying. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if this is dark for anybody. Maybe we should add a trigger warning to the beginning of the episode. But the the soil never fully dried, and so it, it just became wet, and so it ruined the integrity of the surrounding walls, which is what led to the collapse. Human bodies are so gross. Yeah, they're disgusting. I hate us. We're just skeletons in jelly suits. Ew. I can never be a doctor. I'm sorry. Like, it's, nope. it's too much. Yeah, not not a fan. I work with computers, not people. So after the, the bodies into the... And there are varying accounts. So like I mentioned, the one I heard was the it was the man's home. There are some that say it was a hotel. There's some that say it was a restaurateur. So it, there's a common thread that happened. I, it's just a little bit contested from what I can tell as to who it happened to. After the wall collapse happened, King Louis the Sixteenth forbade any new burials in the cemetery, which is great, except for everybody was still really mad because they didn't do anything about removing the existing bodies for another like five to six years. So yeah, at that point you're like, Oh, well the wall collapsed and bodies fell into this guy's basement. So maybe don't bury more bodies there, but also we're not going to take the strain off of the cemetery by removing them. Oh my God. It's like, Hey, we fix the problem. We stop people from burying more in there. But the the problem's still there. (laughs) The smell's still there. Oh, wait until I get into the reasoning behind it. You're going to love it. Um, (laughs) I like how you keep foreshadowing things for me. It's great. We're like on the same wavelength because I felt like you kept doing that like last episode too. We're getting there. We're we're mind melding. Yeah, I think we're doing good. It took two years to clear the Holy Innocent Cemetery of bodies. They had laborers working day and night in order to like excavate the remains and stuff, but they would only transport the remains at night. All of the excavation and the transportation was done with as much respect as possible. Like they were not disrespecting the dead in any way because the Catholic church would not allow the bodies to be moved without ritual because it was consecrated grounds. The Catholic church had priests escorting every single like envoy of remains to the place they were being moved to. They made sure there were 
priest on site to make sure the excavations were being done respectfully in a ritualistic manner. So that way the the remains of the deceased were not being disrespected in any way, which you're, I'm not one to compliment the Catholic Church, but thank you for respecting the dead. Like, I know it's because we grew up in literally a city called Sin City, but when I was over in Europe, I was just so surprised, like, how well-respected the Catholic religion was. Like, you go to some towns, you can't even shop on Sunday. I mean, I'm not, you know, knocking anyone's belief. I just, it's, it's very foreign to me. Yeah, but we also live somewhere where you can buy alcohol at the 7-Eleven down the street 24 hours a day. Can you not buy alcohol at 7-Eleven and other places? No, there's a lot of places where alcohol has to be only sold by places that have licenses for it and they will not license convenience stores. Um, And there are a lot of places that you cannot buy alcohol at certain times of the day. Like they can't sell it before 10 a.m. or after 9 p.m. Utah has really strict laws about their alcohol selling and they do not allow the purchase of alcohol products on Sundays because of the religious nature of the state. I'm sheltered in like the most backwards way. I feel like living my entire (laughs) life in Las Vegas. Yeah, I just, I... I was I was Mormon for a handful of years. They talked about Utah a lot because it's like the homeland or I whatever. Been since I was seventeen, so I wasn't exactly looking to buy alcohol. So I don't. Have yeah, to that's fair. But yeah, so in Utah, it's it's very very restricted when you're able to buy um, and how much you're allowed to buy too. For those who aren't aware, yes, we are the United States of America, and yes, we are all one country. But our states have a lot of uh, leeway into having their own rules about like the the ability of their citizens to live and go about their business and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm allowed so, yeah. to legally buy pizza and weed for dinner to be delivered to my door. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You can put it on the same postmates order. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to get to the point where you were wanting to know what they would do if the bodies weren't fully decomposed when they were moving them into the little houses on the outside of the cemetery. Um, so when they were moving, when they were excavating the Holy Innocent Cemetery, not all of the bodies were fully decomposed. Some of them still had um, a bit of flesh on them. So what they would do is they would boil the bones and then any of the fat that was salvageable after boiling the bones was sold to candle makers and soap makers um, to try to offset the cost of the excavation. Ew. Yep. It probably smelled like pork. I mean, maybe. And it's like not that different from using animal fat for that kind of stuff, right? But there's something like a little more macabre about using human fat for it. Like, oh, that's a lovely smell. What is that? Oh, it's grandma, you know? I can still smell her lilac perfume. Isn't it lovely? So, sorry. (laughs) It's okay. So, naturally, this is a very expensive endeavor. Um, One of the reasons they're selling the fat that they get from boiling the bones is to try and offset the price of the excavation. One of the articles I was reading, and I am not agreeing with this or saying it is 100% accurate. Again, the records of this time frame are a little hard to come by, and some of this is speculation. But given the history of the Catholic Church, I personally would not think this out of the realm of the possibility. One of the articles I was reading was talking about how one of the reasons the Holy Innocence Cemetery was in use for so long is because the Catholic Church owned it. The Catholic Church, aside from being one of the world's largest religions, makes a lot of money. Making a lot of money is what allows them to be one of the world's largest organized religions. And that was true even back then. It's thought by some 
that the Catholic Church did not want to close the Holy Innocent Cemetery because they were being paid for all of the burials. And having that many dead, decaying, decomposing cadavers in one spot was making everybody in the area sick, which led to more deaths, which led to more profit. You know, I could could see that. Not like the worst thing they've ever done, but not great, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a possibility I could see. Yeah, so I just, just that's just food for thought. I'm not supporting or, endorse, or endorsing that train of thought. I do not think it's out of the realm of possibilities, um, but that is up for you to decide. So now we've covered the Holy Innocent Cemetery and the beginning of excavating it. Obviously, Emily, these bones need to go somewhere, right? Okay. where do you think the bones go they go into tunnels before we get into the (laughs) tunnels did they like fully excavate the cemetery or is there still like some of it left the cemetery is completely gone okay did they just end up like building over it or yeah so the entire area now is like kind of like a trendy neighborhood the only piece of architecture that exists from the holy innocent cemetery is a fountain that was encased in the cemetery when they built the wall um in like the i think it was the 12th the 12th century is when they built the wall. So when they built the wall, there was a fountain that made it on the inside of the wall. That fountain is the only piece of architecture that still exists, but it has been moved from its original spot. That, I mean, that's just so weird to me how they can just build over. I mean, I know cities have to grow and change and you have to do something with that space, but how life can just go on over where this disgusting thing happened. Mm-hmm. Like that's And you would never know. Exactly. That's how I felt when I was in Berlin and they took us to the site of Hitler's bunker and it's like an apartment building. Yeah, Do people live in that apartment building? I think so. Our tour guide had us all stand in the parking lot and people kept honking at us to move. Wild. Yeah, it it's bizarre. But, you know, I guess life goes on. You can't I think always the like, reason, dwell on the path. Yeah, I think the reason it's so bizarre for us is because our country is so young in comparison to Europe. <laughs> That's probably true. Like, I think Nevada itself has been a state for less than a hundred years, so mm-hmm. we're still we're still learning. I remember when I was in Paris, I was like, everything is so old. Like it, it's so old. Like this cathedral is so old. This church is so old. Like it just blew my mind. We're in our angsty teen years. I feel like. Yeah, no kidding. Oh no, <laughs> I hate it. I want it to stop. <laughs> Don't like it. As they're excavating bodies, they need to send them somewhere. And so we know these remains ended up in the catacombs. And it's not just the remains from the Holy Innocent Cemetery. That cemetery held up to 2 million bodies. But there are cemeteries all around Paris at this time that are starting to get overflowed. There had been a new mandate made that cemeteries could only exist outside of what we would now call city limits. It had to be outside of the city. So that way it wouldn't have this negative health effect on the citizens anymore. They're emptying out the Holy Innocent Cemetery and several other cemeteries in Paris, which is how the total number of human remains came to about 6 million in the catacombs because it was several cemeteries throughout Paris. We're almost to the Paris catacombs, but first let's talk about limestone. Outside of Paris at the time, there were miles and miles and miles of underground tunnels. And these are actually quarries that were dug in order to harvest limestone to help build the city as it expanded. At the time, these quarries are well outside of city limits. They well meet the requirement for remains to not be within the city. And the tunnels already exist. There's 200 miles of tunnels from when they were excavating all of this limestone. Wow. But around the 18th century, the quarry started to collapse because Paris was expanding. 
so much and Paris is getting closer and closer to the tunnels. And some of the tunnels were under Paris at that time because there's 200 miles of them. And so those tunnels were starting to collapse. So the tunnels started collapsing around the same time the bodies were overflowing in French cemeteries, most notably the Holy Innocent Cemetery. So in 1777, the king assigned his architect, Charles Axel Goulamont, to stabilize the limestone quarry tunnels so that way they wouldn't collapse. The tunnels were considered stable by 1785. So that's not that long of a time. That's eight years. He was able to stabilize the quarries so they would stop collapsing. And conveniently, 1785 and 1786 are the years they moved the bodies out of the Holy Innocent Cemetery. Oh, okay. So they had these freshly ready-to-go tunnels. Yes. So it, the timing just worked out. I, From what I could tell, it was not intentional. The timing just worked out because it was 1777. They assigned the limestone quarry tunnels to be strengthened. 1785, it was done. And... 1785 and 1786 are the years they moved the bodies. So the timing just lined up for them. They had somewhere to put all of these bodies. And that brings us to the catacombs, Woo. the subject of today's episode. Well, at um, least they like did something with those tunnels. It's not like how you always hear about all of these places surrounding our city where it's like, don't go there or you're going to fall in the mine and die. So yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> or like you're not having like random like mass sinkholes due to weak tunnel structures underneath the city. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> no fun at all. So now we're going to talk about the catacombs. I'm very excited. We're finally there. The catacombs were created by royalty. So it was it was one of one of the several kings who was like, hey, put these bones here. And for all of the grief that the Catholic Church gave about respecting the bodies and the movement and having the priests do their priestly duties as they were escorting the remains, when they got to the quarry, to the limestone quarry, they just kind of dumped the bones. Like, there were just kind of piles of bones everywhere. It was like a sea of calcium, you know? Shit, they should have hired the monk who did the bone church. Honestly, all of the bones are put away and they're shut down and nobody thinks about them again until Napoleon happens. Okay. After the French Revolution, Napoleon decided Paris needed to have something similar to the catacombs of Rome because he was familiar with them. He idolized Rome as like this great center of philosophy and Western knowledge and progress, et cetera, et cetera. So he's a little fanboy is what you're telling me. He's a little fanboy and I'm not supporting Napoleon here. Like I'm not pro Napoleon <laughs> by any means, just to make it clear that this is just kind of from what I could tell in my research, like what his kind of like justification was for building these catacombs is because he wanted to imitate Rome. I found a quote of one of his beliefs and one of his core beliefs was men are only great through the monuments they leave behind them. And Napoleon Gross. intended to leave a monument behind him that would not soon be forgotten. He assigned the task of creating the catacomb design, like the in an intricate catacomb design to two people. He assigned the project to the Inspector General of the Tories, Luis Etteni Hercart de Thury. That's his full name. I did not pronounce it correctly. I apologize. <laughs> that, that's a name. Yeah. Luis Etten Hercart de Thury. And the second person was his prefect of the Seine, Nicholas Fracot. Much easier to say name. I'm sure I still got it wrong. Okay, so we got Louis and Franca. Don't worry, I just pronounced them worse than you, so everyone can yell at me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks for taking one for the team. And by team, I mean me. Like I mentioned, all of the... The bones are just thrown in and haphazard piles. So it is the responsibility of these two to reorganize the piles and create these like beautiful works of arts. So they do. 
They go about creating various designs. There's a giant sphere made of human bones. I think it's called like the barrel in oh, the I'm wall. I picture that right now. That's oh, are you wild? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, so it's called the barrel, I think. Oh my god, we're putting this on the Instagram. It's up. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you need to know what this barrel looks like because I need everyone else to feel my suffering, it's going on the Instagram. They also had, which I thought was cute. Listen, I really liked being surrounded by the bones. I thought it was dope. You didn't have I a panic it, attack like I did? <laughs> I did not. I thought it was incredible. And I was like, I, I, I understand why people... We'll, we'll get there. Never mind. Anyway, so they have like little hearts on the walls too. They have all these intricate designs and they like made hearts out of femurs or something. It's it's art. It's what it is. It's art. Artemis, come here. She wants to be included. Does nobody love you? I'm looking at this picture of the barrel and the headline that came up under it was thieves use catacombs to steal fine wine. Understandable. At least they're using it for a good cause. So there's a lot of art in the catacombs, but not all of the bones are used as decorations. If you go into the catacombs as you're walking through the publicly available spaces and the tours, there are some spots when you're down there or if you get on your tiptoes or if you're tall enough, you have like this wall of intricate displayed bones ahead of you. But if you can see past the wall, because it's not all the way to the ceiling in all of the spots, if you can see a little bit past the wall, you can see bones just stacked all the way up behind these the wall of the intricate designs. So they didn't use all of the bones in the decorations of the catacombs. They made decorations and then put the excess bones behind it. There were actually some places that had like metal grates and behind the grates, they were locked. And behind the grates, you could see more bones like in this small little cavern that they just brushed to the side because they hadn't used them yet. So it was like their their art supply store, you know? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Oh, I have in my notes here. If you go to the catacombs, if you go there in some of the spots in the catacombs, you can see over the wall of the dead in front of you. And behind the wall is a sea of human remains filled to the brim. Wow. That was a good sentence. That was a good sentence. I'm just still trying to wrap my brain around it. Like I'm looking at photos and you're telling me and I'm just like, that is a lot. It's a lot. Like I, it's not computing. It's, I listen, I kind of have time blindness. So getting the timeline of this was really hard for me because I don't understand how past time works. Like, I don't know what AD or BC or any of these letters mean. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. I do not understand time. I feel that way about large numbers as well. I cannot imagine what 6 million human sets of human remains look like and just the sheer number of them. Like, I think maybe the reason I felt okay is because it felt so obscene. Like, it felt so absurd that there would be that many actual human being remains. My brain didn't fully process. Like, it probably didn't feel real. It did not feel real. My brain did not see it as like, oh, that's horrifying. I was like, oh, this is some pretty dope gothic decor. But like, they're real people. They were real people. They had families. They had laughed and cried and lived and died and now their remains are just decorations somewhere and nobody knows their stories or names yeah like i felt that way when i went to the bone church like you're just looking at the skull and you're like there used to be a brain in here with thoughts and hopes and dreams and now you're a candle holder yeah it's hard for me to just comprehend it like it doesn't seem like that's a real thing i mean two things you can't escape are death and taxes so So not all of the catacombs, as they stand right now, are open to the public. 
And as more corridors have been explored, um, there's been a lot of interesting finds in the non-publicly available spaces. In 2004, I don't think you're ready for this. In 2004, police in Paris were exploring and previously like uncharted, officially uncharted section of the quarry. Wait, there's like just parts of it that aren't like mapped out? Oh, yeah. There's 200 miles. How many hamburgers is that? So many hamburgers. <laughs> there's, there's still some parts that, at least in 2004, were not fully mapped out. And there's a few reasons for that. A, there's 200 miles. B, a lot of the parts are hard to access. A lot of them you have to, like, crawl through. There is underground water sources, so a lot of the pathways have become filled with water. So there are some places where you have to swim to the next cavern, which is extremely dangerous. What? Yeah. Just swimming in the body juices? I'm sorry. I'm sure it's mostly water, but, like, I'm just... It is, yes, because they were all bones when they got there. Remember, they boiled the bodies before they moved the bones. Oh, God. And by the way, it's 362,000 hamburgers. (laughs) I can't even conceive of how many hamburgers that is. Yeah, so there's lots of parts that aren't explored. So whether it's like you have to like, there's videos of the swim that you can do in there in order to get to another cavern. Super dangerous, super not allowed to the public. There are places that have some rock fall that are dangerous to walk in. So yeah, there's just some spots that we haven't quite found yet because it's a little treacherous to get that deep. And not all 200 miles are covered in the bones either. Like some of them are still just quarry, not catacomb. Oh. Yeah, they didn't get all 200 miles covered. Fun. Yeah. Okay. When the police are exploring this currently unmapped part, what they found was a fully equipped cinema and restaurant. Like functional? Functional. Who? Who? We still don't know. What? So you're just telling me, like, the Illuminati had a cinema in the catacombs and no one knew it. How did you get that equipment down there? Yeah. So let me give you some context. When I say cinema, I mean, they had a cinema-sized projector screen mounted up on one side of this little cavern. Like, did they wire their electricity and... Yes. They had professionally installed electricity wires. And then there's probably like a body of electrician mixed in with the bones now. Okay. Understood. I mean, it's it's fully possible. Oh, I've got another story that you just reminded me of. And we'll get to that too. Listen, I'm full of fun things. I didn't get to like spooky legends, but I got to the spooky true stories that are that are floating around on the internet now. Amazing. Um, we might have to do a part two one day. They in the in the cinema, because it's two separate caverns. The restaurant and bar is one, and then the cinema is another. So in the cinema cavern, they have a full cinema-sized canvas projector sheet on one wall. And on the other side of the cavern, they have like benches carved into the stone so that people can sit on them and watch their movies. They had a fully functioning projector and they had several movies. And remember, this was found in 2004. So they had movies from the 50s. They had more recent thriller movies. And it was just like, you could tell that they would go down there and they would just enjoy their films down there. So if someone alive knows something and they are yes. not fessing up. And I feel like the statute of limitations has probably passed and I feel like they owe us an explanation. Yeah. That- my, my cavern cinema people, if you're out there, we would like to interview you. Totally fine to make it completely anonymous. You do not have to tell me your name. You can email us at fullscreamaheadpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and I would love for you to tell me how you got electricity running in the quarry behind the catacombs because it's legendary. You need to fess up. Okay? I need to... <laughs> 
I need to know, and we better not have to wait another 60 years for your deathbed confession. Like, just... Listen, we got questions, okay? I have so many questions. You're going to have more. It gets better. So they have the cinema one, and then there's a there's a short walkway, and then there's a second cavern. And the second cavern is where they found, like, the little restaurant. And I know I said fully equipped. It was kind of for dramatic effect. It's not like they have, like, a full, like, line kitchen. They don't have, like, a stove and oven and stuff like that. But what they do have is, like, they've, like, built a bar and stocked under the bar are like different whiskeys and various spirits in this cavern there are several tables with chairs where you can clearly tell like sitting in them and they were moving around and then there was also a pressure cooker which is what they used to cook food and the pressure cooker was used and this is apparently very important because every single article that i read about this discovery mentioned this detail the pressure cooker was used to cook couscous (laughs) that's that's an interesting detail yeah, I don't I don't know why that was so important that it was in every single article, but I felt like I would be remiss to exclude it. From no, like I needed to know because I'm just like, what were they cooking in there? And cous- I, I didn't know you made couscous in a pressure cooker. Like my, I'm, like I don't even eat meat. I haven't eaten meat in like six years, but my mind still went straight to like short ribs or something. Yeah, I I feel like there are going to be plenty of people who are going to hear this and they're going to say, you do not ever cook couscous in a pressure cooker. And then whoever says, yes, you do, we know where you it's used to hang out. Yeah, we, uh, we caught you. Call me. We need to talk. In the, uh, so that was the, that was the restaurant cavern. Um, one thing I forgot to mention to you about the cinema cavern is there were three functional phone lines. Why did they need three? I don't know. I don't have answers to that, to the, this line of questioning. I have the same questions, but there were three functional phone lines. So I've told you about the two caverns they found. Now let me tell you about the walkway to where they found it. So they're exploring and they see a sign and it says, do not trespass. And as far as they can tell, it is not something that recent government has put up. So they continue walking. And they walk down this little hallway and there's what appears to be like a desk object on the left. I I couldn't tell uh, from what I read if it was like a wooden desk or if it was like carved into the stone, but there is something that looks like a desk on the left. And they could see that there was a camera up on the wall and it would record passersby. And when you would walk past this camera, an audio recording of dogs barking would start from further down the tunnel. Oh, that's awesome. Was it like hooked up to like a CCTV or something so they could watch it? Probably. Or like maybe it was just motion activated. So that way the dog barking sound would alert them to get out before anybody found them. Uh, So this is a part like they could walk through. This isn't the part that you had to swim through. Yeah, you didn't have to swim or crawl to get here. You were able to walk. But the thing is, super not allowed. You are not allowed to go into the catacombs or into the quarries outside of the publicly available spots in the tour. Clearly they weren't enforcing that very well. So here's the thing. They don't know where all the entrances are. Oh. Yeah. There's a, there's a group of people or there's like a a group of explorers and we're going to touch on this more later, but they're called cataphiles and they like to explore the catacombs and document their experiences and stuff like that. It's kind of like a thrill seeking type deal, just like cave divers in the water. Wow. Can't relate, but that's actually. Yeah. Can't relate. Good for you. Go in groups. Don't go alone, et cetera, et cetera. I'd rather you than me. (laughs) <laughs> but I have questions, I just, so I still need you to go. <laughs> I just, I think it's so ingenious. Like, they got professionally installed electric lines, and then they set up a motion-activated audio recording of dogs in order to, A, spare away the people walking down the hallway, and or, B, warn them someone is coming so they can evacuate before they're caught. Genius. Like, Please email me. I would like to interview you. And this is just, like, my perspective as someone who 
works with IT is unless you like work with computers every day, a lot of people, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people don't really know much further than the very, very basics. So I'm like, someone was either in that industry or there is a dead body in there somewhere. Yeah. Of whoever hooked this up. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It feels like a heist that somebody pulled off. Oh, please tell me someone's making a movie about this. It kind of is a heist, though, because let me tell you what happens when the police return three days later. Oh. Three days later, they return with uh, members of the French Electricity Board so they can try to pinpoint where the power was coming from in hopes that they could figure out who set it up that way. So when they get to these caverns, everything is gone. The, the someone CC- was watching the motion activated thing gone the recording of the dog gone the projector gone the movie's <gasps> gone the bar gone the couscous pot gone i just got like chills down my spine that is so spooky it's so spooky do you want to know like, what they did find there in like modern day society how do you pull something like that off do you i want to know what's so spooky tell me tell me tell me you you want to know what they found there yeah the only thing they found in either cavern was a note that said, do not try to find us. Oh, I am covered in goosebumps. Oh my <laughs> God, that's so scary. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Oh my God. <laughs> These people are geniuses. Wow, that that's amazing. That is straight up amazing. It, there needs to be a movie about these people and it's still unknown who they are they haven't found out nobody has confessed as far as I could find and part of me likes it that way because I'm it's just it's just such a cool thing to have happened but also I want to know how you pulled it off please tell me enough to satisfy my curiosity but don't tell me the whole thing so I don't think you're just some lame IT guy yes exactly can you imagine being those police officers and finding this projector and this restaurant and thinking like, maybe I'm going a little bit crazy. I just heard some dogs barking and there's no dogs down here. And then you go back three days later with an audience and everything is gone. I just, what a power move, right? Jesus Christ. That is wild. I, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. I thought you would enjoy that one. I really did. I'm not done yet. (laughs) Oh boy. The catacombs have been used to store the dead. Um, As we know, uh, we've got all of like the bone decorations. They've been used as a place to watch movies, to have a drink. And there's even stories of like illegal music concerts being held in the catacombs. (laughs) Um, I can see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not for the acoustics. It's just for the experience. It's for the vibe. Yeah. The quarries in the catacombs haven't always just been for tourists, even though that was Napoleon's goal was for people to um, come to Paris and view these attractions. And that's what he wanted to happen. That's why he commissioned these people to make it beautiful and to make it art. It's not always just been a tourist destination or a place that people like break in to do some fun stuff. The French resistance used the catacombs to hide from Nazi invaders. Um, the, they used the catacombs and the quarries to group together, plan counterattacks, to flee. Uh, it was really like a, a safeguard for a lot of the people during the French Revolution who had access to the catacombs and were familiar enough with them to be able to use them effectively. That's awesome. That's kind of like a throwback to last episode because they used that as uh, that plateau for the French resistance to fight off the Germans. That's, that's interesting. Go interesting French. connection. Sorry. Yeah. The French resistance. Yeah. Starting off the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> However, 
the Nazis also used the catacombs. They had several bunkers in the catacombs and it's possible there's still caverns there that have like leftover Nazi memorabilia that we haven't discovered yet. Well, I, yeah. whoever finds those is going to be stupid rich, I feel like. Which is a little disappointing because I feel like we probably shouldn't be selling those. Like we shouldn't be idolizing anything to do with them. Like they should be donated to museums for free yeah. in a big effort of do not be like these people. Uh, but capitalism, so I get it. Like someone's yeah. going to make money off of it. Yeah. Hopefully a Jewish person. That would be just karma gold. Yeah. Suck it, Hitler. Suck it, Hitler. So the, the Nazis and the French resistance used these tunnels at the same time in order to group together and to plan out attacks. And that just speaks to like the volume of tunnels. Like they that, as far as I could tell, as far as any of the articles I read, they didn't interact with each other when they were down there. So it just tells you like how much space there is. It's, it's kind of unfathomable, especially because here in Vegas, we don't really have a lot of underground spaces. Like, none of the houses here really have basements. Well, we have our tunnels that people live in. Under the airport, right? Or is that the Denver airport? I think it's, like, under the strip. We have a tunnel. Oh, yeah, there's, like, I, I a lot of... I don't know if it's still active, but I know a couple of years ago, there was a lot of people re- lived in those tunnels. And it was really difficult because, you know, we get flash floods. And anytime that happens, you know, grab your shit and run. Yeah, um, it takes out 10 cities at a time. Yeah, but yeah, it up, I don't know how it is now, but up until a couple of years ago, we did have a pretty active tunnel society. Yeah, but I feel like the tunnels under the strip make sense. Cause a lot of them are like service access, I'm sure. But as far as like, like we don't really have like mines in Vegas. So we don't really have basements in Vegas because the That's dirt true. is just too hard to get to without like justifying major construction that's true i did always think it was weird when i was a kid that everyone on tv had a basement and i don't think i'd ever seen one at that point i've <laughs> literally i've literally to this day never been inside of a basement i don't know if i, I want to know that i have if i did i don't remember We touched on it a little bit before. I talked about um, groups of people called cataphiles that explore the forbidden parts of the catacombs. So they love I can tell, catacombs, they don't love cats. Yes, correct. They love catacombs, but it's not like a sexual thing. It's they want to explore and it's kind of like an adrenaline rush, I'm it's sure. Like, mm, I want to be in your tunnel. Oh, I just like this. Ugh. I felt gross saying it. Oh, that's okay. I felt gross listening to it. <laughs> Sorry, um, don't touch tunnels inappropriately. So these, uh, the, these self-proclaimed cataphiles, they go around, they take photos and share them among friends. There's a bunch of different secret entrances into the catacombs and into the quarries. And they're kind of like located in various spots throughout Paris and word of mouth situation where you tell a friend and a friend tells a friend, etc. But with the rise of social media and online communities, a lot more have been discovered and shut off. Because people are more likely to post about it on like blog forums and websites and stuff like that. Even if it's like a hobbyist website, like they can still be accessed by the average. Yeah, so a lot like of the popularity of Instagram, I'm sure. Yeah. So the the accessibility of some of these other entrances into the quarries and catacombs have been closed off. But there's I'm sure there are still several that are open and there are still people who are doing this. The people who are doing this are risking fines from the police for doing so. It's very dangerous to explore the non-public places of the catacombs because of things like falling rocks, the low ceilings, the sudden pools of water. They're waist deep and you need to wade across them to get to the next cavern. The, the parts that you have to swim through, like very dangerous. Basically, 
just use the public entrance. It'll be safer and you won't get fined. Please rats. Yeah, please do not go. We we are not endorsing uh, cataphiles here. Um, I'm not consent before touching any tunnels. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the tagline for this episode. Ask consent before touching tunnels. Yes. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I just I want to make it very I think it's an interesting thing to learn about. And I think that these people's experiences have given value to the rest of us who will never do something like this. But it, it's an experience that we get to learn about vicariously through other people. However, comma, do not go do it because I do not want you to get fined. And I also do not want to be held liable for you making a poor decision. Throwing that out there. We are not liable for your bad decisions. <laughs> only your good ones. I am only liable for my own decisions when I can't blame them on someone else <laughs> and get away with it. Yes. The catacombs right now um, only allow 200 people in at a time. It's a way to kind of space out the number of people, make sure there's not too many to manage at any one time, and to make sure the groups are reasonable sized for the tour guides uh, to be able to manage the size of the groups. Um, obviously you're not allowed to touch the bones. So they need to make sure that they have eyes on whoever is with them to make sure they're behaving respectfully of all of these human remains. Okay. Um, Pause for like half a second after you said eyes on, and I'm just like, do they have fake eyes on the bones? <laughs> Googly like, eyes everywhere. That was a horrifying image. That was my head for a split second. Uh, Googly eyes everywhere. Oh, God. I'm going to go into Photoshop and I'm going to add googly eyes onto all of the bones in one of my pictures. Oh, my God. The googly-eyed people lasagna. The steps to get into the catacombs are very dizzying. It's something like, there's something like 244 steps involved between going down and coming back up. But I remember when I was going down, it's a very tight spiral staircase. I'm like, look, your girl is fat. All right. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those people who like doesn't want to mention it. Your girl is fat. And I, it was definitely a little bit cramped for me going down the spiral staircase, but I wasn't like touching the edges of the walls, but it it was pretty, like I was, I was, I wasn't far from it. It is not wheelchair accessible due to the nature of it being quarry tunnels. Um, So unfortunately, if you have mobility aids, you were not able to go experience this um, because there's not really a way, I don't think for them to make it accessible without like building elevators which there's not a lot of space for because there's the catacombs are there you know makes sense did you start to feel like woozy once you got to the bottom because i went to some like salt mines in southern poland once and we had to walk down like 15 flights of stairs i think it was to get to the bottom and i felt like lightheaded yeah i was dizzy halfway down because it was just spiral after spiral after spiral Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought it was never going to end and I, I remember thinking, if this is if there is hell, this is it for me. It's just constantly going down a narrow spiral staircase. Oh, God. Yeah, but yeah. so it, it's pretty rough. It's not as bad as going up because I thought my legs were going to fall off. At oh, one point, I, I was like, there's not enough space for somebody to pass you going up these stairs. Like, it is a one person at a time type deal. And I was like 30 seconds away for the second half of going up the stairs from like stopping everybody behind me because it hurts so much to move my legs. Oh no, is it at least a different staircase for going up and down? It or? is a different staircase, but it is just as spirally and it's a little I think it's a little bit steeper. 
Oh god. Yeah, at least when yeah. I had my salt mine adventure at the end, there was an elevator to go up, but not nope. down, so Nope. at least I didn't have to do that. Oh my god, I can barely go up like three flights of stairs. Yeah, going, My little going. legs were on fire. Oh, they were. It sucked. We went and sat down for like an hour outside. Um, my my friend I was with, like she was fine. Like she's a fit person. Like she's tall. She's slender. She worked out fairly regularly. Um, so like she was definitely a little sore after it, but not nearly as sore as I was. Um, I thought my legs were gonna fall off. That is a leg day for sure. Yeah. And the reason the hint I gave you is that you would never know it was there is because the, the entrance to the catacombs is in a totally normal shopping square. You've got like buses and businesses all around and the entrance to the catacombs just looks like plain and normal. And it's kind of incredible to me how there's an entire city of the dead beneath this square in Paris. And you would never know it was there based on how the street looks. Wow. Like, I mean, I heard a lot about the catacombs before this, but I didn't really know anything about it. So I can just imagine if you weren't really aware of what it was, you would just be like, not even think about it. And you're just like, Yeah, okay, I'm I, good on top of all these people. I, I was not convinced we were in the right place for a while because it just, it was wild to me that this much city could fit on top of the catacombs and the catacombs would still be there, you know? Um, you know what kind of makes me happy about that, though, is it doesn't seem like they've really, like, made it a flashy tourist spot. Um, they have about 550,000 tourists a year, so it's definitely Okay. a tourist spot, Yeah, um, but I, but it's I don't not know. like, it's not like the Eiffel Tower tourist spot. Something like me, people like me and you would go because we would look up like things to do in Paris and we would see the catacombs and we'd be like, oh, that's up my alley. But 550,000 for a tourist attraction in Paris, I feel like probably isn't, I don't even think it would be like top 10 attended attractions. I guess what I'm trying to get us. I didn't try to make it like fun. Like I know I've been to places in Berlin where they have like actors who are guards and have like the whole wall decorations and everything. And it seems like they tried to make it a little bit more fun and a little bit more touristy. Um, Oh. our tour Oh, no. guide actually called uh, Checkpoint Charlie, like the Disneyland of Berlin. So I'm, All I'm right. a little relieved that that's how they didn't make the catacomb entrance. Got it. Yeah, no, it's very, it's, it's very mellow. It's very, if, if you know, you know. Um, and I really liked, I really liked the tour guide I had. I thought he was incredible. He had like uh, a bachelor in, philosophy and a bachelor in European history That's and a great combination. And I don't mean he that in a sarcastic way. no he loved his job I I was a travel agent at the time and I was like literally anytime I have anybody come to Paris I want them to get this tour with you specifically how do I make that happen because he was he was so engaging he was so fun our tour group was a little and eh. I, I was definitely the most engaged but You know me, I'm obnoxious and bubbly uh, when I'm not like deeply entrenched with fear of being judged. At that time, I am not the thing people are thinking about because they are surrounded by bones. So I was bubbly and I was talking to the tour guide and I was asking him questions and he was elaborating on the stories and 
he seemed very excited that somebody was engaging about the history with him. So 10 out of 10 would recommend taking a tour. It's been several years. I do not remember his name. I'm a bad person. I was going to say, do you want to give him a shout out? But (laughs) I think his name might have been Chris, but I'm sure that's wrong. So there are tours available to book. Um, I think they're all run by the same company. There is a VIP tour where you can um, go into a separate part of the catacombs that is less traveled. Part of it is because they don't want as much foot traffic as the rest of the catacombs because in this specific bot um that's part of the vip tour is not covered in bones what what they have shown in this small little spot in like the extra tour is one of the designers of the catacombs uh appointed by napoleon had carved different sculptures into the limestone mm-hmm. down in the quarry and so if you get this like extra package you can go through and you can see the carvings and he's got like carved little buildings and very intricate designs and it was really cool to see it's not the main attraction of course like I'm there for some bones yo but (laughs) it was really cool to see like how artistic he was and how he put effort into these other places so you can you can book those online they do require masks um, right now due to the pandemic it is a little bit cold down there and it's a little bit humid down there while also simultaneously being dusty down there dress accordingly light layers (laughs) light layers Yeah, so the air is both humid and dusty, and as expected, you're surrounded by human remains. So that is my that is my presentation on the Paris catacombs. I do have one more fun, not fun actually, story about them. (laughs) This is something that I read on a couple different blogs. I don't think I saw it in like a news article, but there is a. I'll take it. This is this is probably one of those urgent urban legends that I did find multiple sources for. I didn't put this in my notes, but I remember it. There is a story where a group of cataphiles are walking through um, the catacombs at some point and they find a, a video. What is the word I camcorder? want? Camera? A camcorder. Yes. Thank you. This is the 21st century, Kathy. Keep <laughs> up. So there's a story that some of these cataphiles are going through the catacombs and they found like a cam a camera cord, camcorder, camera recorder. You know what? We're just going to keep this part in. I don't know what it's called. That's fine. The kind um, of camera you used that for record. videos before you got an iPhone. Yes, correct. Um, I think it's camcorder. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So they watched the footage back and they could clearly tell it was another cataphile who had gone in on his own instead of with the group and he was lost. Oh, no. And they watched some of the old video and they would fast forward a little bit and then he was still lost and they would fast forward a little bit. And he was still lost. And according and to this documented group, his whole journey, he documented his slow descent into madness. Ooh. The owner of the camcorder was never found. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the video just you can see his sanity kind of degrade as he spends longer and longer and longer in isolation in the complete dark alone. and can't find his way out of these these caverns and these tunnels. Oh, that's awful Mm -hmm. oh that's spooky yeah so uh not exactly your electrician who is down there but (laughs) there are there are rumors of of people who have gone down there and not come back up um, like this gentleman with the camcorder um so again do not go into the into the non-public parts if you do i do not condone it if you do do not go alone friend take a gps device and a compass and glass of water (laughs) Take a take a red string and string it along with you. Leave some breadcrumbs behind. No, then you'll probably just make a lot of friends with the rats. Sorry, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Bad call, bad call. 
Don't listen to me. I'm dumb. But yeah, how'd I do for my first uh, for my first presentation? That was really good. There was a couple of parts where I genuinely felt like spooked out with goosebumps and everything. That yes. Was, that was really good. Yay. I did it. That was more fun than I thought it would be. I forgot how cool the Paris catacombs were. Those sound awesome. Like, I, I never really thought about them because I... You know, you just hear that word thrown around so much. I just kind mm-hmm. of assumed it was very, very touristy and kind of over the top um, yeah. explanation of it. But no, 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 that's that's definitely something that's. Yeah, I really like the um, I really like kind of how somber it was down there. Like they they ask you not to have like loud noises. They say you can use your flash, but make sure you're not disturbing other guests. And I just, I liked that they weren't turning it into something funny. Like the, they, they understood the the gravitas of what had happened to these 6 million people and the history behind it. And they weren't t- taking that lightly. That's good. That's good. They're at least they're being respectful towards their residents. Awesome. So that's the Paris catacombs. And do you have a topic for next week? I do have a topic for next week. Um, if you would like some hints about that. I, I would. I would like some hints about the topic for next week. Tell me what we're getting into. So this is, I'm actually going to go back to my true crime roots a little bit. And I feel like this is something that has been covered on almost every podcast I've listened to. But I want to try and put a little bit more different spin on it and kind of focus more on the place it happened and how this place came to be as opposed to the horrible crime. So we are actually going somewhere in South America and we are going to the site of a famous cult. Stop it! Yes. I know what you're talking about. I just listened to a Behind the Bastards episode on this. So if your true crime radar is going up, like I said, I'm sure you've heard a billion different coverings on this, but like I said, I'm going to try and put my own little spin on it um, because I have also listened to a bunch of podcasts on this and I feel like I can give a little bit different details because I'm just going to be focusing on what happens really in, in South America and not what happened before then, so... Is this a Nazi pedophile that killed Santa? No, it is not. What? Excuse me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Never mind. Well, thank you for joining us this week. I hope you got as spooked out as I did. Um, <laughs> that was a journey. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts at Full Scream Ahead. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Full Scream Ahead, or you can email us any questions, personal stories, feedback. Um, compliments. We'll always take some compliments. Um, you can send all of those to fullscreamaheadpodcast at gmail.com. And once more, I'm just throwing it out there. If you are the person who was in the, in the catacombs doing the cinema and the bar thing, shoot me an email and we'll, we'll have a conversation. If you're in Vegas, I'll buy you a drink. I, I would like to hear about your life, please. And remember, don't touch tunnels without consent. No touching tunnels without their consent. (laughs) Bye, guys. Have a good day.
That's a lot of hamburgers. <laughs>